You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, actress, filmmaker, and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about clearing out your TBR pile. Also, we are still recording um, from a distance, so that's why it sounds different than our other episodes. Me and Bria are sundered. I am at my apartment. Bria is at her home. But this is why we're practicing safe social distancing, folks. This is what we got to do to save everyone's lives. Here we are. Because if we don't do this, then the bookstores will never open again, and we'll all be really sad. Uh, But first, what are you reading, Bria? I am reading. So um, the one one upside of all of this is that all of a sudden, all these books that I was expecting to wait for like months and months on ebooks all arrived, which is not great because then I ended up with so many ebooks at the same time <laughs> um, and was like, now the library, my library system has this thing where it says, take an action. This book has arrived. Do you want to check it out or do you want to wait like seven days and let us know or 21 days or something? It's a Libby thing. It's just, it's to mm. prevent people who like put a bunch of books on hold and then forget about them and then they automatically get downloaded. It's so you, like, I, for, I don't know how long it takes, how, like how long it lasts, but you actually have to actively go in there and choose to download them now. So it, yeah, I think it actually days. helps people get books quicker. Yeah. It takes three days. Three days is how long they give you. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so it's like 36 hours or something like that. They like, oh no, 36 hours is not three days. Well, however much three days is. <laughs> um, and you, if you don't go in, then you don't get that book, which is pretty crazy. But um, I was talking to my friend, uh, a friend of the show, Brazos, and he was saying that they actually, his library system did go buy a whole bunch of new eBooks. I think it's a combination. Uh, I think a bunch, I think libraries are buying more eBooks, but like we were talking about before the show started, the Macmillan uh, eBook embargo has McMillan decided to waive it and has stopped it during all of the coronavirus uh, shutdown so that people will have more access to ebooks, which is funny because we've been planning on doing an episode on what, how to deal with the McMillan embargo, and now where it's put off indefinitely because it's not doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, we'll see if they go back to it. I mean, so just to so people who don't know, McMillan uh, basically limited the number of books ebooks that libraries could have. Um, and I think they limited it to one, which yes. is crazy. Um, and now and that's that not the case. So you can buy, get actually buy right. a copy of it instead of getting it from right. The library. And s- but now you can get your Macmillan books from the library, which is pretty dope. Um, anyway, uh, a book that arrived that I've been excited about reading is *The Deep* by Alma Katsu. Oh, I bought this from. Uh, I ordered this from Kelly Link's bookstore, Book Moon, and I am so fucking excited to read it because I know we both really like *The Hunger*. Yeah. I started reading it last night, um, so I don't really know that much about it yet, except I just know sort of what she did with The Hunger was she was like, here's my retelling of The Donner Party. Um, and then this is sort of similar, but it is about um, the Titanic, and it's essentially post-Titanic is where it starts. That's all I know. And I know that something there's something like otherworldly happening um, in this. It's, it's like some people who've survived the Titanic crash do you call it a crash a sinking a sunkage what is it called a sunkage this i just think it's the sinking of the titanic yeah um and so it it go i think i think i get the feeling it's gonna go back and forth but i don't know yet i actually don't know i just started it last night but i want to talk about it because it was a new book that i got from the library which was very exciting for me to actually get new books during this time what are you reading mallory i am reading a book that i'm pretty sure is going to be on my best of 2020 lists uh, currently is one of my favorite. It's riding along with uh, Grady Hendrix's new book, which is out soon, by the way, for listeners. It's the Southern Calif- the Southern Book Club's Guide to Vampire Slaying. Um, it's- which I loved. I read it last week. I loved it. Oh, I want to talk to you about that after. Um, 
it, it this that and this book are currently writing on my writing as my favorite 2020 books. It is We Ride Upon Sticks by Quan Berry, and it is a book that is absolutely fucking made for us. I think as actually especially me. So it is a it's a literary fiction adult book, uh, and it is about it's one of those like books about teenagers, but it's not for teenagers. It's not a YA book, but it's about a group of senior girls, seniors in high school uh, in Danvers, Massachusetts, which is very close to where I grew up. Uh, in 1989, and they are a field hockey team, and they are absolutely fucking terrible. They suck. They lose constantly until one day their goalkeeper decides she. they had been reading something about the Salem Witch tri- Trials, so they get this Amelia Estevez notebook and write all their names down in it like it's like the sa- the devil's book, and all of a sudden, they start winning. And they start doing these like weird rituals to try to make, to try to get better. And it works. They become like the best team in the state. And so the, the book is exploring what's going on with this like newfound weird power that they have and like all of their personal lives and how it's affecting them. And it is one, it is so fucking good. It is written in this very weird, interesting way where it is like the, she's, she, you know how some authors like, just tr- just trust you to follow follow along and figure it out. She is doing that to the extreme. Like you have to really keep up with her. Um, but it is, and it's written in this very weird way. But it's so good. And also, this book is so New England. It is nuts. Like it, it she, this author clearly spent a lot of time in her life growing up there. Like there are things that I'm like I haven't thought of. I haven't lived in New England in a long time. But I spent I lived there until I was I was born and raised there. I lived there until I was 23 years old. And there's things like even the the um, the radio stations, like they all listen, all the teenage girls listen to Kiss 108, which is what we listen to when I was like, it's just so, nice. have you ever read a book that was from the area where you're from and all, and it's so accurate that it's like freaks you out? No, but I, <laughs> there actually is a series, I think set in East Texas that I have not read, but I need to read, but um, no, but I could see how that would be very exciting. Oh, it is just so good. I'm so in love with it. So that's We Ride Upon Sticks by Quan Berry. And mine is The Deep by Amakatsu. So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Kristen wrote in, I wanted to thank you for your podcast. I am a daughter of a librarian and I am now an elementary school librarian. I used to be a reading addict, but then I had a kid. She's now two and I'm starting to get a little reading time back, but I wasn't feeling as motivated to read pre-kid. When I started listening to your podcast, I was really worried that I would feel guilty about how little I read, but you've actually helped me feel really empowered. I don't feel guilty about reading middle grade chapter books or graphic novels, and you've helped me put down a book that felt soul-crushingly wrong for me. I've also followed a couple of recommendations and found some books that I love. I love when we get, uh, this is my number one favorite type of listener email when people tell, tell us that we help them get back into reading. Oh my God. I keep meaning to update at the beginning, which is that I, we did an episode about stop reading a book you don't like. And I was like, I've not stopped reading a book this year, but since all of this, I have stopped reading several books, one in particular. Oh, t- t- give me the dirt after we're done recording. Okay. Yeah. But I stopped reading a book cause it was boring. I was too bored. And then I went and read some reviews of it cause I read a couple of chapters and I was like, is this going to be good? And I went and looked on Goodreads and a couple other places and they were like, it, the idea is good, but the book itself isn't great. And I was like, ugh, I'm not going to read this. Anyway. Good for you. Rhonda wrote in and said, uh, so recently the Free Library of Philadelphia did away with fining for late books. I was wondering how they were going to encourage the returning of books without fee- fines as a consequence. Turns out borrowers cannot take out a new book until they've returned the old one. I'm curious to see what kind of impact this may have and also if other library systems 
have this same process in place. I think I've heard of other libraries doing this. Yeah, I've heard of other libraries doing this, and I actually think this makes sense because most of the people who end up paying their library late fees are the ones who are going to be bringing the books back anyways. Like people who aren't going to be paying their late fees are not the ones are not like regular library users. Yeah, and I also think that um, I don't think librarians libraries are making all of their money from late fees. No, I just think it, it discourages people and I think it, you know, creates a sense of guilt around the library and the people who are the upright library citizens who aren't going to be worrying about late fees are not the ones that, you know, are that, that people are trying to bust anyways. Um, the Los Angeles Public Library, I don't know if it has this anymore. It used to have a thing where if you checked out, a, if you got a book shipped to your per, your library, like you, it was for, at a, another library in the Los Angeles system, you got it shipped to your library and you didn't come pick it up, you got a fee. Um, and I thought that was a pretty good fee. They still have that. And actually, I will say, I don't want to out my local librarians and I will not say what my local branch is, but I've been a few days late picking up because I, I, you know, I order research or before we were in this nightmare world, uh, before we were in the coronavirus times, I order research books constantly for work. And um, sometimes like if I was traveling or whatever, I would be a few days late picking them up and they never charge me. Oh, that's nice. I feel like it's good because it discourages you from being like, I'm going to order 50 books from my other libraries, like, you know, which is like labor people have to do. And then you, if you actually don't need them. I will say they also know me at the library now. Yeah. It was really funny the last time or not the last time, but about a month ago I had been, because I always pick up like 20 books. I bring two massive Trader Joe's tote bags in to pick up my research books. And I got, um, some of the librarians there know that I'm an author and some of them don't. And one of the, one of the ones that didn't know that I was an author was there. And finally I was like, I'm a writer. And she was like, oh my God, I was going to say, you are the person who, you are the person who checks out the most books from this library. Uh, all, <laughs> all of our patrons, you are the one. And I was like, yeah, it's okay. It's because I'm a nonfiction author. <laughs> So Nicole wrote in with a wheelhouse that is scientifically accurate sci-fi, space books with really weird or unique aliens, uh, incorporating speech patterns into the text like Clockwork Orange, like really interesting dialects. Um, Stories told non-linearly, books that alternate chapters between different points of view, different timelines, or between parallel stories, uh, self-fulfilling prophecies, time travel with predestination paradox, an anthropomorphized animal on a journey. I like that. So you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. If you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month, you can sign up for our newsletter. There's a link in the show notes. And before we talk about clearing out your TBR, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, you've reached Dr. Game Show. Leave your message after the beep. Dr. Game Show is my favorite podcast and the only podcast my parents let me listen to because I'm 12. But even old people love this show. Basically, you call in, play games, and have fun. If you win a game, a baby will send you a magnet in the mail. I have so many magnets and put them all over my locker, and pretty much everyone at school is jealous because they are very cool custom magnets, and it also means that I'm really good at winning games. And they even let me practice my record live on the air. Listening to this show is like going to a real doctor, but pretty much kind of better. Dr. Game Show Rock. Listen to Dr. Game Show on Maximum Fun. New episodes every other Wednesday. This 
this week, we get a lot of listener mail about cleaning out your TBR pile. Now that we're all stuck in quarantine, we figured we'd address it. So for example, a listener named Chris wrote in who said, I feel like I'm drowning in books. I've always been a gatherer and through the years have bought, read, and passed on enough books to fill a library. I've been able to curtail my book purchasing, getting most chapter books from the library and only purchasing a curated selection of graphic novels, but the obsession still thrives. I currently have 860 books on my to-read shelf in Goodreads, 15 books checked out from the library. While I'm not spending the money, I do fall down these holes of wanting to read more books than are possible, and just the existence of these two read piles aggravates my anxiety and feeds other mental health issues. And also, Annika wrote in and said, I read about 25 books a year, but my wish list is 200 books long. Every month, I review my list to see what I would like to read next, put the books on hold with the library, and stagger the release date so I have a new book coming in every two weeks. I currently try to rotate classics and nonfiction with my wheelhouse fiction, and I always feel I'm missing out on a book that, that could be even better, that could be even better, and that I will never catch up and will forever miss out on all of the good books. I would like to trim down my wish list, but I keep getting good recommendations from you. My other podcasts and my list of classics I would like to read. Where do I even start? So, folks, we're here to help. We get it. There is a lot of fucking good books in the world. And now that we're all stuck at home for a while, most of us have a little more time to read. Some of us don't, especially if you have kids at home. Uh, you know, a lot of us are looking at those giant TBR piles and it might feel pretty overwhelming, especially if they're physical ones. Um, yeah. So we're here, to, we're, we're here to help. Yeah, and I just want to say, don't feel like you have to finish your TBR pile while you're in quarantine. If you want to just binge episodes of Drag Race, it's great this season. Uh, or whatever your <laughs> show is. Um, that's also fine. Do whatever it is you need to do to take care of you. I feel like right now there's this big push where people are like, and now I'm cleaning out every closet that I've ever owned. And I'm going to, and I'm like, I, you don't have to do these things. You can also just be concerned about the world. And, yes. uh, you know, try to, you know, maybe the big thing you do today is not read a book, but is to make yourself a healthy meal or go on a walk if you're allowed to walk where you are. I don't feel pressure because I feel like there's a lot of internet pressure right now to get shit done. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are like, during the plague, Shakespeare wrote King Lear. Well, you know what? Maybe Shakespeare didn't have five kids to worry about, okay? So yeah. you don't have to write the next great novel. You don't have to, like, learn how to do 100 push-ups. You don't have to learn a language. You don't have to clean your entire house. You don't have to take care of this TBR pile. It is totally okay for you to just, like, look at the news or eat snacks or, like, take a nap or whatever you need to do. No, just because we're in quarantine times doesn't mean that book guilt is okay. So, Priya, what does your TBR pile look like right now? And how do you feel about that? <laughs> my feelings around my TBR pile. Um, I looked at my library wish list, which is sort of where I keep my TBR pile. Um, it is 125 books long. Uh, that's a lot. Doesn't <laughs> in book include the books I have in real life, which are all on a shelf upstairs in my house. And I would say there's probably 30 there, 30, maybe 40 or something like that. Um... I feel a lot about it. I feel overwhelmed, but also I feel sorted. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like, oh, I'm not going to forget a book about a book because I know it's on the list. It won't be skipped over unless I want to skip it. Um, and I look at it sometimes and I'm like, oh, this list is so long. But at least I'm like, well, I'm always worried I'm going to forget about something. Uh, I can be a little spacey and I will hear about something. And I'm like, I, I like to have an order to things and I like to have lists and this sort of fulfills that part of me, even though I know I'll probably never read all 125 of these books. I mean, I will sometimes, but I'll, I'll take a lot of them off, I think. Yeah. Uh, what about yours? How, how big is your TBR, pal? Uh, 
Uh, well, so listen, longtime listeners of the show will know that I live inside my TBR pile. Um, a third of the books in my personal library are TBR books. I like it that way. I like having a big selection of you know books to read. Um, and I think because of that, it doesn't feel as overwhelming because I don't keep them at, like in a stack by my bed. Like they're just nice and neat on a shelf. Uh, it just feels like like snacks I have in the house that I can eat at my leisure. Like it's not, it doesn't feel like they're like looking at me. Like I don't have a special section in my library for books that I haven't read yet. And I think- Yeah, you like file them among your other books, right? Yes. And I feel like if I had them sectioned off, I would feel differently, but because they're just sort of mixed in and I, you know, they don't, there's no visual indicator that there are books that I need to read. Like it doesn't pressure me at all. It feels like something like a joy, like, oh, I have all these books that I can read. Uh, I will say I do keep a very short to buy list on my book buddy app. Uh, it's just like, it literally just says to buy and it's books that I don't own yet, but I really want to pre-order or just straight out buy. Uh, but I don't think I could handle having an actual TBR list. There's like way too much pressure for me every single time I've gotten, like this actually happened to me a couple of days ago where there was like two or three books where I really wanted to read and I was like, oh, I'll just read a bunch of them. And I like got them all out and I put them at a stack at my bedside. That is like a guarantee that I will never look at those books because then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I feel guilty. I'm never going to look at them. No, the de- the bedside stack is the death the death knell. Ugh. Like that is like the that's like when I know when it's there, it's like I see it too much. It will never get read. Yes, it will. It will never. It will never make it to the actual bed reading. So you'll <laughs> you, never make it from stack to bed. No. <laughs> so how do you manage yours when it gets too long? Do you worry about it getting too long? Do you have like a number that you uh, you you will stop at? No, 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 no. But. I will allow it to get long. It's always too long. Um, I but I try to I try to trim it. Um, I try to be quick to stop reading a book. That trims it because then you've started it, you've stopped it, it's done, it's not on the list anymore. Um, what I do is every week, usually while I'm editing the show, is I look at the back of the list and I try to pick a book and take it off. And I look at the beginning of the list and try to find a book to take it off. So I'm taking off one or two books a week, but that doesn't count the ones I've added during the week. So it's, it has a, it has a tumultuous turnover. Like there's a high turnover in the TBR list. I don't like, if a book has been on there for like years and years and I haven't read it, I'm probably not gonna read it. So I try to be aware of that. And if I'm not in the mood to read it now, I'm probably not going to read it ever. I mean, sometimes I'll allow it to sit there if I'm like, ooh, this is just so long and I don't have time right now or it's just like nonfiction. Like I'll leave a nonfiction book on there longer because I'm like, well, it's just like that will be something I read for, um, you know, for work or something like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, there's just, there's a lot of books I want to read. So I get pretty cutthroat with the list. And I think that's the key to a TBR list is to be okay with going, you know what? I'm not going to read this book. Like, yes. it's just not, look, maybe it's a book I want to read. You want to be the person who has read that book, but maybe that is not who you are and that's okay. <laughs> what about you? I think the thing that saves me uh, and made me, makes me stop having an actual TBR list is not wanting to think of the books that I read as a to-do list that I need to cross off. Uh, I think a lot of anxiety and guilt that readers feel when they're having TBR issues is that weird obligation feeling and the feeling that you're like behind somehow or letting an author down Uh, you know, just like they're, you know, oh, there's all these things I need to do. I think a lot of, I think a big adjustment that helped me get more, actually get more reading down and enjoy the reading I was doing was, again, looking at the books that I have is like, oh, these are things that I get to read. You know, you don't get, you don't buy a bunch of snacks from the grocery store and put them in your cupboard and go like, oh, I have to get to all these snacks. I have to eat all this food. Like you don't think <laughs> like that. You're like, oh, look at all this stuff that I have that I can have whenever I want. So I think that adjustment 
is the is the really the way to manage it is stop looking at it like oh i have to trim it down i have to keep it at a certain number like you just have to stop doing that to keep to keep going on your metaphor do you feel like analogy metaphor i don't know uh do you feel like that buying like celery or something at the grocery store and putting it in your fridge but then feeling like you need to eat it before it goes bad is the same as a like, you know, like if it's not, if you're, it's like the same as a book that you don't actually want to be reading. Yes. Well, I think, you know, I think that's the perfect, it's like the healthy food. It's the perfect analogy. That's why you have to be really cutthroat with your TBR because if a book feels like uh, a, a stock of celery rather than a bag of popcorn, then why are you reading it in the fucking first place? I mean, look, if you feel like you, you are required to read book, certain books, um, you aren't unless your job is to read books. If you are a book blogger, then you should read those books that you're required to read. Otherwise, the rest of us, you don't, even Mallory and I don't have to read the books. Nope, you really don't. So, yeah. so what advice do you have for people who are struggling with this TBR anxiety? Uh, my first advice is wherever you're at and you have an ongoing list, do a add one, delete one. So if you are adding a book, Go ahead and delete a book. Um, that's what I do. I fail sometimes, but I try to do that because then at least the list doesn't get longer. I'm like, oh, like 125 books. Like that's a, that's a fuck ton of books. But I mean, you know, at least I'm not at like 700 books or 800 books. What was that guy at? Yeah, that's a lot of books. 800 and something crazy. Which is also fine. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he reads super duper fast. Um, I think if you look at a book and you just, you look at it and you're like, I, I don't want to read this right now. I think it's okay to let that book go. Because if you let it go, maybe it'll find you at some other time in life. It's like a butterfly if you let it go. What is it? <laughs> oh, if you love something, you let, let it, it go. go. And if it returns to you. If you love a book and you don't think you want to read it, let it go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, what about I, you think? I think, well, I think that's, that's true. I, I Remember... What, what, remember when we did that episode about publishing it and there's like literally hundreds of thousands of books that come out every year? Yeah. I feel like there's so many of us that are like, they look at a book and like, oh, that sounds kind of good. I'll put that on my TBR list. I think you should be focusing on books, you know, that, that you really want to read. And I think that there's this weird, I need to read everything. I like book obligation that is like a self defeating cycle because you put it on your TBR list and either it never gets read and you feel guilty about it, or you start reading and it's boring and you stop reading it. And then it's like, it just like clogs up your whole reading pipeline Honestly, yeah. I think people should just get rid of your TBRs. Like, if it's a digital TBR, just do a big purge or delete the whole fucking thing. Be ruthless. Like you said, if you're like Chris and it's just too overwhelming, start a new one. You know, just like, let it go. It's like if you're grocery shopping and there's like a bunch of food you don't want, just like, just walk away from that cart, you know? I think it would give me anxiety to not have a list because I like to plan in that way. But I do think like if you're looking to purge, Go and see what you've added, like, more than five years ago or yeah. more than three years ago. Like, I mean, you as a person have changed in five years. Probably, I think people should change every, you know, yeah. but whatever. What your interests may have changed, whatever. And delete anything after that date. That will be, like, a huge purge. Or I don't know what, um, is this digital? I have no idea. I know you, oh, I'm, yeah, it, yeah, it's, it's digital. on Goodreads. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say go go back, Chris, to, like, you know, five year, five years ago and delete anything before that. Yeah. And and just know that, like, those books will find you eventually. Like, they're out there. 
someone will recommend them to you again. I get recommended the same books all the time. Yep. There are certain books that have been recommended to me so many times, and I'm like, oh, I should read that book. But it does find its way back to me, even if I have deleted it from my from from my to read list. Oh, for sure. And if you like, some people I like having all like you know t- stuff in, in my in my library. Uh, but and some people like you really like having a TBR. So pick. Go through your go through the first page of your TBR of your giant TBR. Pick five books that you're most excited about out of the first I don't know fifty or the first page or whatever, and just ignore the rest and just start a new list. You know, don't put more than five or ten books on at once, or even get more extreme. Just have like a TBR of one or two. Pick out the book that you're going to read after your current book, and just don't worry about anything else. I think it, anxiety is like the fear of the future, right? So I think a lot of people just need to be more present in their reading life and remove a lot of reading obligations about reading certain kinds of books or reading enough just like get rid of all of that book guilt and book obligation and stop like panicking about having read all these other books because that's the other thing is you're looking at this giant tbr and you have anxiety because you're like i need to read all of these things at some point but you don't fucking have to just focus on the book like reading a book one book that you really like and really want to read right now yep (laughs) <laughs> and also if you're trying to figure out what to read next you can also try doing a reading challenge or some kind of guided reading There's, hint, we hint. have one reading glasses challenge yep uh doing something like that takes the choice from you um and it gives you guidance on what to read next so instead of referring to a tbr list you could refer to someone else's tbr list you know something somebody has already provided for you yeah i think that for might- me i'm controlling i want to know what i'm reading next <laughs> i have trouble doing guided readings at all <laughs> but whatever maybe that will help you so you can send your TBR thoughts and problems to Reading Glasses Podcast at gmail.com. And before we test out some book tech, we're going to take a quick break. Hey, everyone. It's I, John Hodgman of the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. And I, Elliot Kalin of the Flophouse Podcast. And we've made a whole new podcast, a 12-episode special miniseries called I, Podius, in which we recap, discuss, and explore the very famous 1976 BBC miniseries about ancient Rome called I, Claudius. We've got incredible guests such as Gillian Jacobs, Paul F. Tompkins, as well as star of I, Claudius, Sir Patrick Stewart, and his son, non-Sir Daniel Stewart. Don't worry, Dan, you'll get there someday. I, Claudius is the name of the show. Every week for MaximumFun.org for only 12 weeks. Get them at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Now it's time to look at some book tech advances and bookish technology. This week, we got more gifts from our Amazon wish list. Uh, we got a bunch of other book lights. So uh, Bree and I each tested one out. Again, we are still recording separately. So we each tested out one particular light. So Bria, what's, what's the light that you tested out? So I believe mine is from Crystal. Do you have who yours is from? Or is it? Uh, did you leave the packaging here? Oh, I, I, I have the note from mine. Okay, mine is from Crystal. Thank you so much, Crystal. This is very exciting. It is, um, this is called Book Light. Uh, <laughs> that's what the Straight box says. To the point. Um, written in great font. Um, we'll find out exactly what it is. It is, um, this little Book Light, so it has a little, little arm, which you can, like, move around. It has three settings. It's all in orange, which is orange is that one. It's, like, not a blue screen, so it doesn't keep you up at night. So this is, like, perfect for reading. Wait, so hold on. So night. you like the... So it's not, like, a creepy red light like the headlamp one. It's, like, a warm orange light. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know the thing about like an orange screen, like after a certain time, you're not supposed yeah. to look at blue screens or something because it keeps you awake or. Yeah, the blue light's supposed to Sorry. keep you awake. Yeah, this is an orange. This is an orange, so it won't it won't keep you up. Um, it also has a USB charger, which is cool. No batteries. That's rad. And um, has a little button on the side that tells you how charged it is. I just realized that's what that is, but that's super cool. I love this little thing. It's great. And it has a little clamp on it, a little, little clampy thing. Um, and with the clampy thing, you can, uh, I used it as a bookmark, which is great because I didn't have a bookmark. I started reading a book in the middle of the night and then I, I was like, oh, fuck, I don't have a bookmark, but I'm about to fall asleep with my face in this book. And then I was like, oh, I can just... Leave the clamp in the book. Oh, Does that make brilliant. Sense? Yeah. 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 It's very cute. It doesn't need batteries. Um, yeah, because you can it charge it. It's charged when it arrives. You can charge it via like. USB, right? Mm-hmm. Charge it via USB. Um, it came with a USB. I actually don't know where it is, but look, y'all have a USB cable. Let's not be wild. Um, it's bright enough, but not too bright. Um, you know, like the, it's like the three bears, you know, not too bright, not too dim. <laughs> Just, Just right, right enough. Just it is right. A wonderful little book light. Um, it's also in a stylish black. So <laughs> perfect for anyone, masculine, feminine, for a dad, for a mom. I, I really liked this. This is a five out of five pages for me. I don't know if you ever would need another book light if you had this one. Wow. Because you can charge it forever. And and how many hours did you say? It's 70 hours yeah. of light. 70 hours. Look, you can read all night long. That's not even a sense. <laughs> I just want us to do I like a this. cover Thank you so of much, Kiss's Crystal. Uh, party. Or what, what's the Kiss party song? Reading all oh, no. night long. <laughs> oh, baby, yeah, you. Uh, man, since quarantine, I've gotten really good at making up songs for my dogs. You should just be ready for that. I just like imagine with uh, the, the music video is just you sitting in bed and John trying to sleep next to you and you're just like in one of those kiss outfits with the giant boots, but you're just reading. <laughs> my favorite thing to do is make up songs to the dog that the, to the dog that are just um, about her taking a bath. Which is I was just about to say my favorite one of my favorite Bria stories ever is when John, your fiance, texted me and was like, Bria is giving birthday a bath and she is singing to her. Every rose has a thorn, except it's every dog gets a bath. (laughs) The other one I like is, here I go again getting clean. (laughs) I love that they're all hair metal for some reason. Uh, It's because I'm writing this hair metal thing. Um, (laughs) uh, So funny. So I give mine five out of five five pages. Mallory, how do you feel about your book like? Because we separated... And we thought we were going to be able to trade at some point. That didn't happen because of the quarantine. You have a different book light. Uh, but my book light is also a five out of five pages. And I'm in love wow. with this book light. Uh, this is a gift from Roxanne. Roxanne said, I'd love to know if either... I'd love to know if either of you think this would work well while traveling, especially on flights. Thanks from Roxanne. Roxanne, I am here to tell you absolutely fucking yes. So this is the Doin' Wills USB book light. And it, first off, it's cute as hell. It's very small. It is like the size. It's it's like a little bit bigger than a flash drive, uh, and it folds down flat. Uh, it's seafoam green, which is very cute. Uh, and there's two things that make this book light really good. One, the light adjusts in a few different directions, uh, so you can make sure it's exactly the where you want it. One of the things that drives me nuts about some book lights is like, you know, it's good for one side of the page but not the other. So you're just like constantly fucking mm-hmm. adjusting the light. Don't like that. But this. 
you can adjust the light and so like it moves up and down and side to side. It's not like the book light that Bria is talking about is like on a totally fully adjustable arm. This mm-hmm. is not because it folds down, uh, but it is very adjustable and I love it. Two, this blew my mind. So you can pull it apart and charge it in a USB charger. It doesn't have a cord. Uh, so you don't need a you don't need a wire. That's yeah, cool. it looks exactly like a, it truly looks like a flash drive. You know how some flash drives have the holders and you like pull the USB port out and plug it in. It looks just like that. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely perfect for traveling. Not that any of us are going to be doing any of that soon, uh, but I really love it for general use. I think I've been using it a bunch. Um, five out of five pages for me. I think these are. I think we might have found our two perfect book lights. No, they're both really great. I we'll link them in the show notes. So if you ever want to send us some book tech to test out, there is our Amazon wish list uh, in the show notes, or you can email it to us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Let's answer a recommendation request from one of our listeners. Alexandra writes in, I want to try reading a crime book, maybe a psychological thriller, but I have no idea where to start. I work in a library, yay libraries, and I have access to novelists, but I don't know any good ones from which to begin my search. I'd like to read something which has a diverse cast of characters, not just brooding straight white dudes with a token strong female character for flavor, and a plot that will hook me from the start. What should I read? Bria, what do you think Alexandra should check out? I can't remember if I've recommended this on the show before because we've recommended a lot of books. Maybe you can tell me. But I'm going to recommend you, you I See You. You have not recommended this book before. Oh, cool. Uh, I'm recommending um, I See You by Claire McIntosh. It's British. Uh, it's about a lady. <laughs> She's on the subway. Sorry, I'm losing it. Um, she opens the paper one day and she sees a grainy photo of herself on the subway with a phone number next to it. And she's Whoa. like, what in the fuck? So that's like the opening of this like thriller mystery. She has to solve the case. It's not just her who's in danger. The next day she opens up the paper and it's a different woman there. Whoa. Photo there with, and then she's like, what is happening? It's surprisingly not supernatural, which I guess, I mean, it's a thriller. It's a thriller mystery. Um, Claire McIntosh is a good place to start generally. I think she was a police person for a long time. Police lady. Police, I don't know what the term for that is. Police woman? What if it's British? Is it different? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. She's, no, I don't know. Uh, anyway, but she, so all of her books um, have like, um, they're like thriller mysteries, but they sort of really get into like the crime and the like intricacies of, of solving crime. And they're very real because of that, which I think is pretty cool. Wow. Um, what do you recommend? Uh, so I actually have recommended this one on the show, but I think it was like literally like two or three years ago. It was a really long time ago. Uh, so I'm going to mention again because I think it's a really gripping book and I think it's a really great intro into psychological thrillers for, for folks who are like, want to test out the genre. It's called The Party by Elizabeth Day. Uh, so it's about this straight married couple and the wife is always wondered about her husband's friends. So her husband is friends with this wicked rich guy who's like in the upper crust of London society. This is also a British book. Um, and they're like, they're not super rich. And so she's always wondered like what they have in common, you know, and like why they're still friends. Uh, they've been friends for a really long time. She just like really can't figure out their friendship. Um, and then the rich guy, the the husband's friend turns 40 and throws this like crazy huge party uh, and invites them. And something awful happens at this party, and it's one of those books that, like, jumps timelines a little bit. Uh, So right at the start of the book, you know something bad happened at this party. And then throughout the course of the book, the wife slowly starts to figure out why this rich guy has kept her husband around for so long and what, like, happened in their past that has bound them together. It's really good. It's not super long. 
it will, you'll just inhale it. You'll totally blow through it. It's a really, really great, very like taut is the perfect word for this because it's just like very tense from start to finish and it'll keep you totally sucked in. So that is The Party by Elizabeth Day. And mine is I See You by Claire McIntosh. And if you want us to answer your recommendation request, you can always send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy, who are in our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. Remember, if you want to support us uh, and look really cool in your home uh, while you're... Have you seen all those hashtags that are like social distance but make it fashion? Yeah. It's like people dressing up in their homes. If you want to look fancy while you're... Social distance but make it reading glasses. Yeah. Um, you can buy reading glasses, tote bags and stickers and shirts and bookmarks in the maximum fun store. There's a link in the show notes. And if you want to help us out for free and get us towards our goal of a thousand reviews, you can rate and review us on iTunes. It's absolutely fantastic for the show. It's absolutely fantastic for our self-esteem. It's absolutely fantastic for, I don't know, you, I guess doing a nice thing. It's like your nice, uh, uh, act of kindness for the day. It'll help. It's a, it'll it'll it's great for your karma, I guess. I don't know. You can e- mm-hmm. <laughs> it takes thirty seconds to do on iTunes. Uh, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at reading g podcast, on Instagram at reading glasses podcast, and you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag reading glasses podcast. Thanks for listening, and thanks for reading. Thanks for reading. Thanks for reading.